Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on October the 1st, 2012. For newcomers, I always get this off at the very beginning to make sure I don't pass you all the way through it. But remember that you are the audience that bring me to you. I don't bring on advertisers as guests or sell products that just keep you living forever and ever through all any possible catastrophe, etc., etc. All I do is give you the, the hard, basic truth, which isn't very, very pleasant, that's for sure, because we're living, basically, in a very controlled society, an authoritarian society, and the gloves have been coming off for a while now to show its evidence, and they're training the public to be uh, quite happy living under authoritarianism, as opposed to what we thought was democracy. We never really had that either. But anyway, I tie together the big foundations and organizations that really set up to take over the planet, all of its resources, and bring in the world government system and run the world properly, the way they say properly, you see, not where you, 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 each individual decides what they want to do or what they want to work at and who they want to marry, but properly, the way that the big boys want to do using eugenics. Etc. Etc. So I I've got my website full of documentaries about this and, and, and talks about this. You go into the archive section at cuttingthroughmatrix.com and help yourselves. It's all for free. But as I say, remember too, you are the ones that bring me to you. So if you want me to keep going, you can give you can help buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughmatrix.com, and you can also donate. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders. You can use uh, send cash or you can use PayPal. And across the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. And donations, as I say, are awfully, awfully welcome. But as I say, we're living through, uh, this is the time of uh, a transition, a great change. This is the change and the century of change. They actually called it in the last century, referring to this one we're in now. Uh, this is a time when all the big plans that had worked, that were worked on for a long, long time, well over a hundred years from the top, would come into fruition. Where, as I say, they'd run the world properly, take down the populations, introduce so many laws and austerity, etc., bring you down to poverty, and then people would start dying off across the planet. Also, of course, they wanted to start sterilizing the public and they're not getting volunteers, so they went ahead and did it in other, other ways. Bisphenol A, phthalates, um, uh, all the different um, chemicals have introduced to you. Never mind the inoculations I've given you as well. So you've been bombarded uh, under a war, a total war system since you were born and you didn't know it. Because obviously, if, if they did tell the public, what's, what's the options left then? I mean, you're past, you're past any negotiations where you say, well, please don't do that. We won't like that. You're past that. It's already in effect, you see. Now, the big boys themselves are quick off the mark. Don't, don't you believe that bureaucracies are slow and, and, and fumbling when it gets to some, get something done? Uh, when something happens to the livestock, that's all of us. Uh, believe you me, they want to find out what's behind it. 
And if there's no crisis created, it means that they are behind it. They know what's causing things like sterility across the world and this kind of stuff. Of course they know what's behind it. The, the cancer rate skyrocketing has been for years. And, and believe you me, again, once again, if they were not behind it, they would have it as a crisis situation where they'd have to find out what's happening to their stock, you see, just like any farmer would do. So when you, you hear all the statistics coming out, but there's no crisis, you know what's happening. It all fits in wonderfully, actually, with the agenda. When you read the articles going through, say, the Rockefeller Foundation, Rockefeller Institute, etc., you, you find so much data on pretty well every aspect of life across the planet. It'll stun you. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix. And I got up this morning as usual and looked out the the back there and up at the sky. And it was a nice blue sky. And then the plane started doing their usual stuff with spraying. Massive sprays too. And even lower than usual, some of them. uh, Going from horizon to horizon. And I thought, yeah, this is the world we live in today. And I've said for many, many years, you're in science fiction, it's here. I mean, the science fiction is passé. Every movie you watch is passé when you're actually living through it all. And and no one's going to talk about it at the top levels, except they're going to one day geoengineer the planet. One day they're going to, even they've been doing this steadily since 1998. They know the effects on the public. And, and even then... If you follow Freedom of Information Acts or, or, or acts that are up for review and then they're released to the general public, generally 50 years after the events have happened, you find all the experiments that they've done on, on humans done through the last hundred odd years. And, and it's frightening and it's staggering too. I'll be touching on that tonight. So are they really just going to geoengineer or is there more to it than, than all of that even? You have to ask yourself these things. But I'm going to start off by talking about uh, uh, conology. Conology is the art of conning people. And I was thinking today about it, you know, that that uh, Charles Galton Darwin, when he talked about sterilizing the general public, uh, and uh, through means they'd never tell them, he, he says they'd never admit to it, but they would use hormonal alterations in males especially, and and also by using needles, um, water supplies, food, and so on, which has all pretty well happened when you look into what's even in your the pesticides, and there are so many uh, estrogen-type uh, synthetic uh, hormones there. It's staggering. Begin getting back to what I'm talking about here. The fact is chronology. Everything's chronology from government. That's why they have basically propaganda departments. They call them public relations. They change the term into public relations, and uh, uh, they have to market the ideas to us so that in a way that we'll accept what they're doing. So they have to lie, obviously. And I thought, well, Charles Galton, Darwin, uh, and so on, and, and pretty well the whole system, you understand, is artificial that you're living in. Everything in it is artificial, tightly controlled, right down to the news itself from mainstream. And 
I've gone before the history of the, the big CFR groups and so on who decided to take over the, every newspaper in the world. Then they found they didn't have to. The smaller ones would follow the big ones, so they have to buy the big ones, and that's what they did back in the 1930s. And it's been the same ever since. So we've got standardized news, standardized reality, we get standardized education, and standardized entertainment, which is full of messages. And, and updates as well on political correctness, generally through comedies. But you have to participate in the con. I mean, that's the beauty of a good con. Uh, the person, the victim, has to participate in their own demise or rip-off or whatever it happens to be. And so whatever that's been done to them has to be uh, altered for perception, so they won't perceive what it really is that's happening. So it's perception management, you see. And getting back to Charles Galton Darwin in his book, when he talked about killing a lot of us off, all the, all the, the unfits and, and so the ones that weren't too bright and the ones that wouldn't fit into their post-industrial societies, etc., he said that we, the elite, the elite ourselves, being obviously superior eugenically, would have to retain our wild abilities so we can't take the water that they're getting and the food that they're getting and the injections they're getting, etc., because we, we're steering the planet. So a wild animal has to survive, so they're survivalists at the top, you see. And that's why they look out for all possible things that could happen to them with their underground bases to run to refuges and so on. They, they made sure that under anything they can possibly think of, they've used our tax money to build themselves safe havens. And, But that's again, getting back to the con. Now, he said they've got to retain their wild capabilities, you see. And I thought back to the caveman. Now, the caveman... He didn't have language. And he was a survivor, like an animal, you see. And all I did was grunt, you see. And he had a big, big club. And anybody trying to take anything that he had away from him, he'd just bash him on the head with a club. And that was that. But once you get language, you see, it's so easy for the con man then to come in and alter perception. They're not really stealing something. It's just that the, the rest of the, 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 the people living in their area decided they need, needed taxes to, to build something or, or a trail or whatever it was uh, through the forest. So folk who got hurt hunting could be carried into safety quicker. Anything would do because there's always a lie, you see. And once you start that, then instead of, instead of saying ug and thump on the head with your club, you see, you say, well, maybe, you know, you, know, you see, they, they put you off guard and then you can go along with it. Then you're, you're screwed. And next thing you know, they're coming in and they're measuring your cave for, for taxes, you see. So language itself is the key to conology. Now, nowadays they call it neurolinguistics and psycholinguistics the art of conning the general public. And Bacon knew this too, Francis Bacon. He he wrote to the king and says, you know, you must never tell the public the truth and uh, because he wouldn't be terribly pleased that you're just trying to plunder them again. And he gave that a lot of advice to the king. He says the people don't, don't notice the pennies, extra pennies on a loaf of bread and so on, different things scattered around all at once. If you put it all in one thing at one time, then they get angry. All this stuff worked out a long, long time ago. So that there are sciences involved in managing the great herd, and that's all of us, you see. It's perfect today. It's pretty well perfect. They can predict everyone's movements, behavior. They've got so much data on you that if you forget anything, just phone them up and they'll tell you the part that you missed and detail and other things that you didn't even notice at the time around you. Uh, they've got everything about you. It's just incredible because you're awfully important. You are their stock. 
I used to be amazed that farmers, how they, how they could go into the whole genealogies of, of the breeding for a particular stock of cattle or pigs or whatever it was or sheep. And they can go through the whole lot, need the names for, for the first ones they got in from different herds. They'd have uh, names for, for, the, for the particular animals and uh, uh, who, who was bred with whom and what, what was the benefits and all the rest of it. What were the, the, the negative effects of this and then what did they do to rectify it? That's what they're doing with us, you see. That's how it's done. And it's called eugenics. Today they try to camouflage it under bioethics because they're being ethical about destroying us, you see. They, they can rationalize it more to themselves and convince us that it's necessary too. It's quite wonderful. So language is the key to everything in chronology. Another thing too is that Hitler said the same thing. I mean, Hitler learned from the best guys in the planet. And he also studied the Soviet system. And in fact, they gave him a lot of uh, lessons and different things uh, from, from uh, socialism. And he said, if you're going to tell a lie, make sure it's a big one. Because you see people go into disbelief. And, and because they can't believe. They suspend their disbelief, I should say. They'll suspend it frozen when they hear what they're being told. Because no one would lie in such a big lie like that. If they were caught, it'd be hell they pay. So I wouldn't do it. Therefore, anybody won't, wouldn't do it. Nobody else would do it. That's how you think. That's how you think. So it's very simple to fool whole nations of people. You see? And he add to that education to reinforce the lie. Global warming, greening, uh, etc., etc. Whoever it happens to be. And, uh, and it takes off. And in repetition, that was your lie repeated a thousand times becomes the truth, you see. That's a common slogan in marketing. But we're living in fantasy. And we're taught not to rely upon our own uh, perceptions and judgments from those perceptions and experiences. We're taught to listen to experts. They come out all the time and they run rings around you because they're taught these techniques of, of psycholinguistics. They know by seeing things in a certain order or even a presentation of slides or whatever they're showing you, you will come to the desired conclusion. And you'll think, that's all. I know all about that now. Students are the best at universities for that. When they go into professions or training for a profession, they really do think they know all of it in that field by then. It's just amazing how well it works. Then you can't tell them anything afterwards. So, like computers, as I say, where we have a language, we have a logic, and we have a, a process, you see, to arrive at the conclusions by the data fed in and our reasoning powers. We always come to the desired conclusions. And you'd be surprised if you look even at newscasters, how the, 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 on the mainstream, uh, how many producers and people are involved in, in working on simp- what seems to be simple, very quick stories to make sure in as, as short a time as possible you'll arrive at the conclusions thinking you've been well informed about that particular topic and that's why this is happening and this is why this law is passed or this is why something has gone up in price, blah, blah, blah. And you never think to go beyond it and check it out yourselves. You can do that in anything at all. If you add emotion to things, it's even better because the more senses and emotions you can add to something, the more realistic it will be. Uh, Those boys in perception management tried all of that out with Hollywood a long time ago. And they went into uh, showing uh, fictional scenes in, in cinemas, movies. 
and they'd also open little uh, sachets of, of scents when they were in a field. A field is showing on the screen, and you would get that. Some of them even went further, and they kept showing like earthquake scenes and disaster things, and every seat would shake and quiver when, when you saw it happening. So the more things that you get into to make it more realistic, the more it embeds or imprints in your mind, the more realistic it is, you see. And and now, of course, with high definition, it's, 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 it works so well at zombie time. Zombie time. The Pentagon itself has revealed a lot of stuff they do, even with your computer. But the more pixels and high definition they can put into things, they can actually put a lot of stuff on that screen that you don't consciously see. You're watching a picture, but there's something else in there, there's different patterns you can play with, and they can actually alter the chemical balance of your brain and attack you. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix talking about perception management and how you must participate too in the cons. The longer the con lasts, uh, the more normal it will seem, seem to everyone because your parents participated in it and so on. And people never question it from then on. It's very, very Most folk will never question anything that their parents do to do with authority, you see, authority figures. You simply follow what they did without question. And so language is awfully, awfully important. And you see it every day getting used uh, on advertising. And uh, you see it every day being put across on the media from your parliament or your congress. Uh, and, uh, and, and most of it's just nonsensical prattle. But it's also full of nonsense. They're going to tell you the truth on anything. Everybody who's up at the top on any level in the public image is in on the act. They know what's going on. And they're all taught and trained how to react to, see, the general public. Every politician in Britain, for instance, gets to pay a big fee, of course, they probably charge it to the public. But they get taught acting lessons by marketers on how to answer questions, not to answer the questions, but how to answer questions. And, and the most common one is when something asks you something that's right on the button um, and you don't want to answer it, simply uh, think of the question as you would like to have it phrased and answer that one. So you omit the, the direct question that you're asked in the first place. There's all kinds of tricks and cons you use. So I think even the CBC did a whole series on this recently on radio on uh, basically propaganda and politics and how they speak to the general public. But most folks are oblivious to it. They just take things at face value and never question it at all. Uh, but but there's a big, big agenda, remember. It, it encompasses everything to do with all of us, all of us. A big agenda for not just a, a United Nations, a global government of some sort, but also government agencies running the world uh, on behalf of the guys at the top who are the central bankers and actually the international money lenders, in fact, who set up the central banks and, and created the Royal Institute for International Affairs and the Council of Foreign Relations and a whole bunch of organizations to run this system. The ones who created the Rockefellers and, and other people uh, that, that, again, are into every facet of your life. 
private philanthropies and things like that. Exactly what Weishaupt talked about, that philanthropists would take over the role of government, private foundations. And sure enough, we've got, we've got these foundations funding every radical movement across the planet. Everyone. In fact, government will also back it dollar for dollar from the foundations for particular interest groups, as long as they can prove that they're for radical change. So for those who, who are always complaining, well, look what they're doing now, your government's funding it. And you better ask, why are they funding radical changes? The changes that we used to think were due to communism. doesn't matter if it's right wing, left wing, the funding goes on. Another thing, too, is taking over children's lives. Now, many of the bigwigs who helped create this whole system we've led through for the last 60 or 70 years wrote lots of books about the cultural changes that we would all face going through uh, right up to the present and into the future. And they were right on, bang on, decade by decade of the changes that they would introduce culture-wise into society until all the old norms are defunct and the opposites are, are, are actually true and promoted and accepted as normal. It's all happened in society. In a short span of time. The five and ten year plans, fifty year plans, just like the UN, just like the communists had, same idea to get certain things through. They know exactly how long it's going to take to get what they want in every particular area. And one part of it too was, it's always to do with the children, always to do with generations. First split the generations so they don't communicate, so they created a teenager, a brand new term, the teenager. You see, before folk never thought themselves that you're a young adult or you're an adult. And then you separate them and tell them you're different from them, you see. And then you indoctrinate them with the first big change in indoctrination, and then they have less, uh, because they're not they're taught moral relativity, then it's easier for the next part of conditioning on their children to go through and, and they themselves uh, are subject to it, so they allow it to happen and think not too much of it. So we can get rapid cultural changes once you start it, you see. So we're living through constant, constant planned changes. Nothing about its happenstance is always planned change in every direction. And Bertrand Russell talked about this. He said in one of his books, he says, we used to think, we used to think, that the big we, you see, they would have to take the children from, from their parents at birth to give them a new indoctrination. And uh, he said, but now we've found, he says, uh, that through scientific indoctrination, scientifically put across indoctrination techniques in school, that if we can get the child very early for at least four hours a day, then anything that the parent tries to instill in the child moral-wise, which he called contamination, uh, would, would, wouldn't take with the child. The indoctrination from school would override it. And that happened a long time ago, you see. So he said, therefore, the parents can still be the economic providers, but that's all they'll be is economic providers. The children would be taught in school not to listen to them, and they don't. That's happened. And the state would give them uh, their new uh, morality and their new belief systems. That's happened a long time ago. But it still goes on, you see. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and talking about the real system we live under. And your parents did, grandparents too, and, and way, way back it goes on and on. Because the art of managing the herd, the big herd of people, is ancient, ancient, very, very old indeed. There's always got to be crisis so that the big boys can protect you. All ancient societies would drum it up when they were losing control, or they thought they might lose control over the people when they were really taxing them heavily and so on. Uh, so they, they would create crisis and, and even wars. Some of them would even arrange wars, by the way. They actually arranged wars with neighbors, and they'd have these kind of skirmishes and so on that would go on. So, uh, as I say, there's nothing new under the sun, as I say. And I've always said that if you understood the big picture of the big boys who designed this system and what they're up to, and the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of think tanks working 24 hours a day on you and your children and what's to come in the future that they plan to bring in, you realize you're living through a script pretty well. And and yet you've got to understand it to, to be able to even handle it yourself. And that kind of frees your mind to an extent. Once you, everything is explained, everything is self-explanatory, once you understand it, you're not shocked at anything at all. You expect what's coming down the pike. I can remember even other people, and even talk show hosts, would say you're kind of down on things. No, it's because I'm more, I've studied it far, far more in depth, and I know how total the system is, you see. And I, I think they're all accepting that themselves. I remember listening even into RBN, this this particular broadcast network. And it was a long time ago, many years ago. And a, a, an elderly woman phoned in. And she says, you know, I've been following the Patriot Movement for 60 years. She says, and, and she says, uh, I haven't seen anything stop any part of this agenda. And that's how it is. And it's an agenda. Now, here's part of the agenda. I've talked about all the spraying they did in Britain in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and even later with the academy and other things that they were using on the population, especially of the east coast of England. They were doing a lot over many years there, big experiments. But here's one in, in, in the States. So, so you're, you're the biggest enemy and fear that you have is your own government departments. This, is, uh, this article says, Lisa Martino Taylor is a sociologist whose life work has been to uncover details of the Army's ultra-secret military experiments carried out in St. Louis and other cities during the 1950s and 60s. This is in the States. So it says that the IT team independently verified that the spraying of zinc cadmium sulfide did take place in St. Louis on thousands of unsuspecting citizens. What is unclear is whether the Army added a radioactive material to the compound, as Martino Taylor's research implies. The study was secretive for a reason. They didn't have volunteers stepping up and saying, yeah, I'll breathe zinc cadmium sulfide with radioactive particles. Army archive pictures show how the tests were done in Corpus Christi, Texas in the 1960s. In Texas, planes were used to drop the chemical, but in St. Louis, the Army placed chemical sprayers on buildings and station wagons. That's what they did in Britain too. Uh, They also used ships off of the coast of eastern England, uh, and the wind would blow across into the mainland. Documents, and they also had vans going about, even all the rural areas, spraying the stuff out the roofs. 
Documents confirmed that city officials were kept in the dark about the test. The Cold War cover story was that the army was testing smoke screens to protect cities from a Russian attack. See, they always have to lie to you. And even then, when they give you an answer to it, if you question and press them, are they even then going to tell you the truth? So the, truth, the truth, according to Martina Tierra, was much worse, more sinister. I was, it was pretty shocking. The level of duplicity and secrecy. Clearly, they went to great lengths to deceive people, she said. By making hundreds of Freedom of Information Act requests, she uncovered once classified documents that confirmed the spraying of zinc cadmium sulfide. Martina Taylor says the greatest concentration was centered on the Pruitt Igo uh, housing complex just northwest of downtown St. Louis in the Carr Square neighborhood. It was home to 10,000 low-income people. An estimated 70%, she says, were children under the age of 12. There was a violation, this was a violation of all medical ethics, all international codes, and the military's own policy at the time. She says, in 1994, then Congressman Robert, uh, Richard sorry, Geffert asked the Army to open its records and explain the St. Louis testing. At the time, Representative Geffert said, we want to make sure nothing went on that would harm anyone and that all the facts are out on the table. Documents released in the, 19, in the 90s showed the Army uh, placed sprayers on a former Knights of Columbus building on Lindell and Forest Park. The army always insisted the compound, the chemical compound, was safe. However, the, the documents prove otherwise. There's a lot of evidence that shows people in St. Louis and the city, in particular minority communities, were subjected to military testing that was connected to a larger radiological weapons testing project, she says. For the first time, she links the St. Louis testing to a company called U.S. Radium, a company notorious for lawsuits involving radioactive contamination of its workers. U.S. Radium had the reputation where they, they had been found legally liable for producing a radioactive powdered paint that killed many young women who painted fluorescent watch tiles. You see the little hands lighting up on your watches. There was a company in Ontario too that happened. It may be the same company, a branch of it. And, the, and it was a disaster area when they closed it down. was totally contaminated. Anyway, says, while the Army admits it added a fluorescent substance to the zinc-cadmium compound, details of whether it was radioactive remains secret. Well, well, they will, they can't tell you. If they've been at it and killing for it, they can't tell you. They can't admit it. Documents uncovered to date indicate the Army never conducted follow-up studies to see whether the compound caused long-term health issues. They wouldn't have to, you see, that the medical authorities do that. In 1972, after years of crime, poverty and decline, the government destroyed the Pruitt Igo housing complex. And there's more to all this, and I'll put the links up tonight at cuttingthroughthematrix.com for those who want to have a little look at it. But you understand, this isn't long ago, you know. And people today are, are such short-term, living in the now type people, they think that something that happened even 30 years ago is antique, like we've somehow evolved from that period. Now, you see, this is declassified stuff. They can't declassify the stuff they've done to you today or yesterday or last year. That won't be declassified until 50 years, and no one will care by then, you see. That's how it happens. That's how it happens. And that's how it works so well. And every government, by the way, has been up to these kind of tricks. You know, every single one of them. I'll also put an article up tonight. It was a YouTube video. This is, uh, I never watched all of it because I can't do it. I'm getting restricted here uh, with satellite. But it, it's, it's from a Canadian Armed Forces uh, vet 
in it for years, who was into the communications, electronics, engineering branch, and you'll see him talking about uh, electromagnetic radiation, uh, including your smart meters in Canada, and uh, also to do with uh, Wi-Fi and so on, and all the, the, the data that's widely available to people who still use it all. Uh, so I'll put this up tonight for those, again, who... who Maybe think, start thinking twice about soaking yourself and surrounding yourself with all this electronic junk that they know darn well is, is having bad effects on you. And also I'll put up tonight uh, as an article to do with uh, the state. This is a, the terrifying power of the state over families. And it says Ireland beware. And it's to do with an alteration and in uh, and, and the constitution with child to do with child's children's rights. Actually, I've looked at it too, and what it is, it's rights to the child that comes from the United Nations. Every country is signing this into law. But what it does is, is actually give the authorities uh, more, more uh, ability to go in and just grab children. That's really the, the point of it all uh, under various guises, but that's what it's really, really for. It's also to disassociate the parents' rights or having rights over the children, by the way. I'll put this link up as well tonight for those who want to look at that. And also, the United Nations. Now, the UN was set up by the boys who created the central banks. And then they, they called themselves the Royal Institute for International Affairs, a private a private organization uh, that, that set up the CFR and the Trilateral Commission and a whole bunch of organizations across the world. But it's already one organization, you see. And they were the guys who decided that they, they would make a planned society. And they also sent out guys like Cecil Rhodes across the world to grab the resources of the world, the wealth, so they themselves would have the wealth. But now they're into everything. It's food, water, everything that you need to live on. That's their planned society, the way they think it should be run, you see, properly. And they set up the United Nations. Before that, they set up the League of Nations. But they needed another war to give it more power. So they brought on World War II because they funded uh, uh, the whole system that brought Adolf Hitler to power, the military-industrial complex. And the bankers for the West funded them all. Anyway, it says, as the UN opens its General Assembly session, it's already thinking up new global taxes. This is uh, 1% of uh, tax on billionaires around the world, the tax on all currency trading in the US dollar, the euro, the Japanese yen, and the British pound sterling. Another tiny tax on all financial transactions, including stock and bond trading, and trading in financial derivatives. New taxes on carbon emissions and on airline tickets. A royalty on all undersea mineral resources extracted more than 100 miles offshore of any nation's territory. The United Nations has added again, finding new and innovative ways to create global taxes that would transfer hundreds of billions and even trillions of dollars from the rich nations of the world, especially the U.S., to poorer ones in line with U.N.-directed economic, social and environmental development. The latest global tax proposals have received various forms of endorsement at the UN meetings over the spring and summer and will be entered into the record during the 67th UN General Assembly session, which began this week. The agenda for the entire session, lasting through into December, is scheduled to be finalized on Friday. How to convince developed countries racked by economic recession and spiral levels of government debt, especially the U.S., is another issue which the World Organization may well end up trying to finesse. 
So they're, they're ratcheting it all up. It says, as the UN itself notes in a major report on a taxation topic titled In Search of New Development Finance, the main topic at a high-level international meeting of the UN's Economic and Social Council called ECOSOC this summer, uh, these proposals are subject to a political controversy. It says, for instance, many countries are not willing to support international forms of taxation as these are said to undermine national sovereignty. Well, that's the whole point of it. Remember, these are the boys, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, so on, that, that were international bankers. They still are at the very top. The guys who lend to nations, who took over the resources of the world. These are the guys who own the military-industrial complex. These are the guys who own all the agri-food business companies. These are the guys who went to owning all the water supplies of the planet and everything else. They own your governments. In fact, every present prime minister in First World countries for for about 100 years now has been a member of this organization, according to their own historian. (laughs) So you're not living in any kind of democracy, but you're definitely living through a plan. You see, it's an authoritarian plan. And uh, they've got lots and lots of things they want to do to us all yet to bring in the proper society where they'll have cloned types that are genetically enhanced to be obedient and and moral. In fact, I've got an article I'll put up tonight as well as about tinkering with the embryos to make the offspring a moral person. Now, again, psycholinguistics, neurolinguistics, what does it mean by depends what the government wants, isn't it? That's what they'll call moral, a good, obedient, uh, non-aggressive, under any circumstances, kind of character. As opposed to the wild man of Charles Galton Darwin, the guy with the club, you know, he just bump, ugh, that's it. You see, that's how we should be. So they're, tank, they're trampling with everything for the future. And even though when, when the population crests in, in a few years and it just starts to plummet, they, just, they don't tell you why it's going to plummet, but they all say the same thing, it's going to just plummet. They just know things, you see. Yeah. They've got good crystal balls. And make good use of them, believe you me. And another article I want to mention too is the big parts that Carl Quigley talked about, the historian for the Council of Foreign Relations, and how all the central banks they would create across the world that would borrow from the World Bank and the IMF, all private institutions, all of them, including the central banks, would be under the, the heading and, and, and uh, the authority of the Bank for International Settlements in Basel, Switzerland. And it's all coming to pass as we live. It says, the world is now knee-deep in proposals to reform finance, from industry lobbies lobbies to global regulators. Everyone's brimming with ideas. On May 26, the European Commission became the latest to propose a new bank levy joining the IMF and governments in Europe and America. On the same day, America's Financial Accounting Standards Board unveiled proposals requiring banks to report the fair value of loans on their books. As the proposals pile up, so do the estimated costs of the banks. An American analysis at Barclays Capital calculate that the the hit from domestic legislation alone could amount to 60% of banks' profits in 2013. Well, the whole article goes on to talk about Basel III, you see. This is, again, where the Bank for International Settlements is. That's why he said they would rule the world. The banks would rule the world, these private banks. And so it says... 
It's just the most important bit of reform of the international set of rules known as Basel III, which will govern the capital and liquidity buffers banks carry. It's here that the most uh, vicious and least public skirmish between banks and the regulators is taking place, it says. The Basel Club of Bank Supervisors put out proposals in December which aim to boost capital and get banks to wean themselves off short-term funding. But it also is, is basically a whole bunch of rules to, to do that they won't need many assets, to hold many assets at all. In other words, if it's a crash, they can't pay you off. So it's really getting get them off the hook for future crashes for, for, to, to a great extent. So I'll put this link up tonight as well for those who are interested in that area of things. Also, to do with history. History is a horror show. It's always written by victors. And uh, that was no country would ever see itself in its true light. No country across the world that's ever had an empire will ever, ever tell its people or see it in a, in a true light for what it did. You always get this polished version, very hygienic, once it's all over and done with. But this is an article, and I've, I've known this for years, because there's old, old books out in it, but there was such a, a communist element in the West running everything. And again, Quigley talks about this communist element. He says, actually, they're often mistaken as communists. And he's talking about the Council on Foreign Relations because they have the same goals. Isn't that interesting? And they're funded by the same international bankers as the communists were. Interesting. The capitalists run communism. But they talk about they raped every German female from the age of 8 to 80, uh, it's the first time it's come out in, in mainstream, I guess. Red Army soldiers don't believe in individual liaisons with German women, wrote the playwright Zakhar Agronenko in his diary when serving as an officer of marine infantry in East Prussia. Nine, ten, twelve men at a time, they rape them on a collective basis. The Soviet armies advanced in East Prussia in 1945, and it goes through the whole story of just rape, rape, rape and pillage. But every country's done this. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're cutting through the matrix and just before I go to your caller there to talk about this article about the Red Army for the first time uh, coming up in mainstream and how they raped their way through the whole of Germany, which is true. And because they were basically repressed by a very totalitarian system, uh, they were encouraged by the way to do it. So this was their outlets, whereas the Germans and British and other ones had more discipline and they, they were more obedient to authority. So the orders were orders, they wouldn't do that kind of stuff. But the Russians let go because they were encouraged to do it because this is a reign of terror. This is not in this article, this part, but it was a reign of terror too. And it was actually promoted from the top, from the Soviets, to do this kind of stuff. And to say the German army was more so disciplined than any other army and definitely more obedient to authority because they obeyed pretty well every order they were given. Now I'll go to a caller. Now there's Dennis from Detroit. If you're still hanging on, is he there? Hello, Alan. Yes. How are you? Not bad. Um, I just like to say your your three books are amazing, and um, I had to read them more than once. But along with Quigley's Tragedy and Hope, Anglo-American Establishment, I've got about five Rosinski's books. Mm-hmm. But um, to get to the point, I've never owned a computer or a cell phone. I got a letter today offering me from Virginia, from Chantilly. 
offered me a free computer, three months free GSL service, or if I didn't have that, a free dish. Mm-hmm. And my insurance company has sent me two free GPS systems. I have a 2004 truck vehicle. I have a tuna fish can over the sensor on the dash with magnets on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just thought you might be <laughs> interested. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know too lots of even... People who are classified as disabled have all been given free uh, cell phones. Even the, the Diabetics Association gave them out to different people uh, to try and because they, they encourage all of society to get on board with being monitored 24 hours a day. And, and so then they know who doesn't have that, anything, and they're trying to get everybody on these things with special deals just for them, etc. See, it's important that the government and the government agencies promote all of this to get every single person on it. Uh, that's what even the no child left behind policy is to make sure they all have their own laptops and so on as well. So we're all being monitored. You're doing the right thing though. You're, that's, you're, you sound pretty calm and sane, so you don't watch television. And, and that's, that's the difference from those who, who do watch television. Their, their brains are scrambled with uh, the weaponized info they get sprayed at them 24 hours a day from the tube. But um, you're doing the right thing. And uh, stay off it because I wouldn't be on it myself. I only look up the, the articles, but I don't play with the thing because uh, I I can't stand it to be honest with you. And as all the studies have done too show that people who read off the internet uh, on a screen they don't retain much of it at all uh, for books and so on, uh, and it's completely different from reading paper. So it does affect your brain patterns, and I've done lots of studies from universities to prove it too. So they know what it's doing to the public. And so um, once I'm finished when, doing what I'm going to do um, with the, these shows, I'll just pack it in and toss it out the window because I've no I've no love for it whatsoever. Um, yeah. I I've been in contact with you a lot. Uh, I know you're not in Stare. Are you yeah. at the same place since you moved from there? Yes. Okay. Well, you're going to get a contribution. Well, you take care of yourself. I will. And call again. Thanks for calling. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God, your gods, go with you.